when we came out after midnight, there was two other dinghies, like layers of rows of dinghies behind us. You're definitely not getting a no. pickleball backyard with a one-story house on a, you know, 60-foot <laughs> wide lot. <laughs> no. Now, tetherball, if they want to bring tetherball back, you could throw a pole out there and we go to town. <laughs> like, you are now listening to the Real Estate Heavyweights Podcast. You see this guy here staring back at you? That's your toughest opponent. Every time you get into the ring, that's who you're going against. I believe that in boxing, and I do believe that in life. Your weekly deep dive into DFW real estate, life, and beyond. With your hosts, Tavis Westbrook and Ashton Hines. Well, good morning and welcome back to another episode of the Real Estate Heavyweights Podcast. Friday edition, the market update edition, news edition. And uh, the last couple of weeks have been a little bit weird with the holidays uh, we have not both been here. I am half of the real estate heavyweights. My name is Ashton Hines. I, I've been going solo for an episode or two. Tavis went solo for an episode or two, but now we're both back. So welcome with us today, Tavis Westbrook. What's going on, Tavis? What's up? What's up? Not a mucho. We are back live, man. I'm uh, back. My feet have planted firmly back on the soil. No longer... On a moving boat. No longer no longer <laughs> floating. So for 10 days, Tavis explored all of the Virgin Islands that Britain has to offer. And he uh, was there with two other couples. They captained their own boat. Um, to my knowledge, you did not have to ward off any pirates. Were pirates any sort of situation while you were there? Did you worry about that at all? They were not. They were not. Yeah. Unless you just call a bunch of drunk people pirates, but... <laughs> some some drunk guy actually getting onto your boat yeah yeah that doesn't yeah count. i think the it's most dangerous the most dangerous thing is the the uh you know new year's eve party at foxy's with rows and rows of dinghies and there was one area where it was you know like literally three rows deep of dinghies so we got there early so we we tied the dinghy up to the dock and then when we came out after midnight there was two other dinghies, like layers of rows of dinghies behind us that had all tied up to the dinghy behind it. So basically the third person that comes in had to hop from a dinghy to a dinghy to a dinghy before <laughs> they get to a dock. So <laughs> there was people falling in water and, you know, lots of casualties going on <laughs> with that yeah. getting, yeah. Uh, you know, it, it wasn't, it, it wasn't your typical New Year's Eve attire because first off you had to get from your boat to the dinghy dock on the on the dinghy and you're probably going to get some kind of wet and sand and right. everything else so yeah i've got a video you have to go on my facebook and see it uh i think i posted on new year's day of the dinghy dock fiasco and uh i just yeah. did a quick little pan around <laughs> it's pretty yeah. impressive Yes, no one is really excited about a dinghy, uh, a dinghy problem. So I, I do empathize <laughs> with all the, uh, all the, the, the dinghy drama on your your trip there. So man, it looks so awesome. I was jealous looking at all the pictures and the videos. It is a a bucket list item of mine too. I've, I, I actually had a roommate at one point that that did that trip. I don't know, fifteen years ago, sixteen years ago. Man, that sounds so cool. And watching y'all go through it. You know, it does look like 
it, it sounds like a, a huge adventure in one way, but you're also around a lot of boats. And so if something goes wrong, there are a lot of people around you. You know, I sort of pictured this, you know, I'm going to set off, you know, sort of Christopher Columbus style and I might see people again. <laughs> and if I mess up, I, I will go way off somewhere, but it did look like it was, you know, fairly well populated and all these little islands you were telling me about. It's like, yeah, that, that was 15 minutes that way. That was 30 minutes that way. So it, it sounds like a great way to sort of get the experience in a pretty safe manner. So I hope to do it. At yeah. Some point. I, I don't know if I'll ever go again during that time because it was definitely the crazy busy season, the peak of the season, if you will. Um, the last couple of days of the trip, it had dwindled down, right? There was definitely uh, coves where there weren't as many boats and, and things like that. So I think people were going home after the holiday. Um, but uh, it, you know, leading up to it and that weekend was just, crazy there was lots and lots of boats um yeah the uh you know the farthest travel that you would have um that we did you know sailing uh over to uh anagata which is like north uh north of the islands it's kind of the furthest north island if you will mm-hmm. but uh yeah you definitely not you can see land all around right it's it's kind of like you know we're used to lake lewisville and we could sail from you know, one part of Louisville to the other part of Louisville and, you know, 30 minutes. And again, this is all motor, right? We were on a motor cat. Mm -hmm. So we would average anywhere from nine to 12 knots, depending on how fast we needed to go or cut through the waves or anything to kind of smooth out the sail. But, uh, you know, in Louisville, it's similar, right? It's about 30 minute trip. If we want to go from pier 121 over to equal point, for instance, you know, it's about 30 minutes. And, um, you can see land, right? So it was, it was similar to that, except we were in the ocean and the water was crystal blue and, uh, you know, it wasn't nasty, muddy, you know, Louisville. You're taking a little bit of the romance away from me. So I, like, I, I appreciate the the detail, but I kind of just want to think that you had to climb to the top of some really large pole every morning with the periscope and <laughs> keep an eye out you know that's kind of what i thought was going on so you were you're know, likening it to you know sputtering across lake Louisville. let's we'll 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 sort of uh it was we'll, we'll yeah, revise no, history was, a little bit i, I think guess that's were, a bad comparison i just try to settle your nerves there a little bit but uh. yeah you know, no, it, was, it was a lot more like uh it was a lot more like uh you know columbus and those guys so i i appreciate your sense of adventure so there you go no, i, I definitely want go. to do it so well why don't uh we get a little bit of an update of what's going on i think last time i checked in I was uh, closing up uh, my flip Mapleton number four. So for those of you who don't know, I'm a, I'm a realtor. I'm also a full-time physical therapist assistant. I just completed my fourth flip. It's my second full-on flip. I use hard money. I use private lenders. I use creative financing. So I've, I've kind of dabbled in a lot of that stuff, but I just finished my fourth flip. It was down in Dallas. I absolutely loved how that house turned out. And it, it honestly could not have gone better with the, the new buyers. The young couple, really good realtor. The whole process was smooth. They asked for some changes, but you know, it just worked out. You know, the, the morning of us uh, selling, actually closing, funding, I was under the house in the crawl space for an hour. You know, still pulling out some <laughs> wires and some junk that supposedly some guys that I had hired had done. But it was just one of those things. Like, look, we just have to get this finished, and I want to be finished today. And that means me getting under the crawl space. And uh, so while Tavis was 
taking in his third hour of sun by that point, probably I was, I was freaking out of every spider web I saw. So, um, you know, kind of similar, but I, I, I hate to tell you, I hate to tell you, I told you so, but we did have that conversation <laughs> a few times about, yeah. have you gotten under the house yet? Yeah. <laughs> no, you, you have. When you so. go to sell this house, the inspector is going to get under it and they're going to give you a laundry list of cleaning yeah, up. Yeah, those stinking inspectors, they tend mess. not to miss much, but <laughs> yeah. So yeah, lesson number 94 learned on this one is that I will for sure, if I have a, <laughs> if I have a crawl space, I will get down there and spend a little bit of time early on just so I know what's under there. And it, same thing for the attic, you know, because it's just, it, it's going to come up on inspection. Well, just have your, just have your demo guys, you know, get yeah. under there in the beginning. Yeah. Uh, and, and our demo guy now is pretty good. Yeah. So while you were out, I was helping out a little bit. You have a flip that you just started over in Wiley and the guys that started demoing, I was helping out deliver tools and that sort of thing. So I got to go over there and check it out. Really, really cool house. So how did that process go, you know, managing stuff from from out of the country and and then also you had a, a an actual retail listing that was on the market i was helping out field some calls and so you're pretty you know for being in the caribbean you were pretty busy with real estate and so how how did that go as far as juggling everything and did you come back to a complete mess or would did the guys do a pretty good job uh overall everything uh actually went really well uh thanks for your help uh just you know kind of fielding a few uh, emails and things like that, but we executed on the traditional sale in Irving and then, um, it fell out when I got back in town, but we're now executed again as of yesterday, uh, with a backup offer that we had. So it should go much smoother on the second one. The first one was kind of a high offer and, you know, there's always room that it may blow up as far as the flip goes and Wiley going really well. Um, a lot was accomplished while I was gone and really didn't have to do a lot of hand holding you know what was tricky with that is everybody we closed that project right before christmas and then we jumped on a plane on the 27th so i I didn't have a chance to really go walk it with anybody and um you know just kind of had to line everybody out so we only had really had we only really had one mishap (laughs) which was a bunch of baseboard got removed from the second floor that wasn't supposed to get removed Mm -hmm. I noticed that yesterday and I'm like, you know, tell my guy, you know, what, what happened here? What the heck? He's like, oh man, you know, my guy, you know, it was his guy that went up there and just, you know, following suit of what they were doing downstairs, which was removing baseboards. But upstairs we didn't have to, because we were going back with carpet, you know, versus going in with a hard surface floor where you remove baseboards and then put new ones in. So anyways, that was, uh, that was one of those you know things that happens but uh you know we'll we'll make it work yeah. that was the worst thing that really happened so i can't well, uh, i can't be mad at that you know <laughs> yeah well that's better you know of course uh, i've also made a similar mistake i you you've had cabinets ripped out but I, my very let's see my second flip i walked in they were supposed to rip out the the granite in the kitchen and they decided this was a three bath house. They decided to rip out the granite, the back, the backsplash, and all the countertops and all the bathrooms. So it uh-huh. went from being a, a really simple, pretty cheap, you know, fix to a lot more expensive. So uh, yeah, and you know, time communication frame. and all that, <laughs> yeah, time frame. So yeah, you know. Well, why don't we get to a little bit of a market update? So. 
In the DFW area, I've said before, our MLS covers everything over from Abilene up to Wichita Falls, all the way over to Shreveport, and then, of course, the Dallas area. And so it's a, it's a very large portion of Texas. So um, if you look a little bit more specifically to our area, the Collin County, which is Plano, Frisco, McKinney, and then Denton County, which is your you know, uh, Flower Mound and your Louisville's Denton, and a little bit of Little Elm, all that stuff, and then Dallas County. So we concentrate on those. So uh, a few of the, the metrics that we tend to look at, days on market right now, Collin County, 28 days. That's crept up a little bit since we first started this podcast, but it's floating under 30. So days on market's 28, Denton County's 29, Dallas is 22, significantly less. The percentage of original asking. So that's the number that we look for. So are people pricing things properly? They put them out there, they go ahead and they they do their research, they put a number out there, but then by the time it closes and we put in our final numbers into the MLS, how much of a discount was calculated in. The thing that isn't calculated in there are concessions and other things that have gone into the sale. So it's a it's a little bit of a picture, but it's not the full picture. But in Collin County, uh, we're getting 96.5% of original asking. Denton's very similar, 96.6, and Dallas is 97. So Dallas looking good, you know, 22 days on market, 97% of original asking. So that's, that's super solid. And then uh, we also are looking at showings to pending, and that's how many people are officially going to look at the house until the house goes pending, gets a contract, and then gets to the option period, and now it's pending. So Collin County's 12 days, Denton is 10, Dallas is 10. So that's been nice. similar, and Tavis actually pulled that number out one time. He said, yeah, typically it's about 10 showings to, to you get a, a, a contract. <laughs> so that's that's holding true, which, you know, if you're in the market to sell your house, you know, the other thing that I looked at, I actually just went back 10 days. So it's January 10th that we're recording. So I went back 10 days, and at this point on our MLS, 1,073 homes have actually closed on the MLS since the beginning of January. So of course, some of those, obviously a lot of those were originated right before, but it's a slow period of time. So, I mean, even that, it's like, you know, over a thousand homes have closed in the first 10 days of 2024. There's still a lot of yeah. activity. So if, if, if you're wanting to, to sell your house, you can still get a decent percentage of your asking. It's going to sell hopefully within 30 days. And, uh, you know, if you have a realtor and you're working with someone, it's like, look, we just got to get people in the door. What do we got to do to get people in the door? And so you got to know, hey, give you a little comfort. 10, 12 people got to come in to, to check your house out on average in, in order to to get things moving. So how, how are you looking on your, I know you guys just went through that process over there. It was a little bit of a different house over there in Irving because it was as is, there were some issues, but you had a lot of showings, right? I mean, you, you guys had really good activity. I haven't looked at it. Once we went into contract, you know, and, and uh, where we were, I didn't stop looking at it, but it was into the mid twenties. And then we ended up with, with multiple offers. So that was great. Uh, it seemed like, you know, at, at first it was a lot of investors. It was a lot of kind of tire kickers and, you know, they just didn't understand the, you know, the listing, if you will, you know, you had mentioned with the engineer report that we provided, there was a lot of people that were scratching their head instead of like paying mm -hmm. attention and <laughs> reading the report or picking yep. up the phone and calling the engineer. <laughs> like it's not that, mm -hmm. not that difficult, but uh, it was a challenge. We knew it was going to be a challenge uh, putting this property on the market with the things that needed to be done and not having enough yield in it to attract an investor. So uh, it was a tricky market to to really grab a hold of and know that going into it that, hey, this isn't really a fix and flip investor 
product. This is a consumer buyer that is willing to take this project on and they can see value in it. And so, you know, we had to be patient and kind of muddle through, you know, the lowball offers and kind of work with, and, and I hate to even use the word lowball because I'm an investor myself. So I won't say lowball. I'll just say investor offers <laughs> that needed to make a profit. Yeah. So I completely understand why the offer was what it was, but it just wasn't yeah. uh, the right fit for this particular property. Yeah, it did not accomplish the goals of the people selling the house. So, um, you know, it just yeah. it doesn't necessarily have to be insulting, but yeah, they 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 it was an estate and so they had certain obligations. They said, "Look, you know, this is where we are. We can't just completely drop the bottom out on this." And so the the goal is to get as many people in the house in the short amount of time as possible, right? And that and that's mm-hmm. going to bring you a contract. Um and so that was part of the strategy with actually staging this home. And taking, you know, and having professional pictures done. I mean, all of the things that you would do with a home that doesn't need any repairs. All right. Well, why don't we get into a little bit of news? Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? From Dallas, Texas, the Flash, apparently official. There's good news and bad news. This is a massive story. Who wouldn't publish it? Man, I've got certain information, all right? Certain things have come to light. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. So while I was doing a, uh, a new email I'm sending out on the, on the traditional side every week, and we're so close to getting an email out for our, our listeners here, we, we, <laughs> we've hit a little snafu with the website issue. Turns out there's a guy in Arizona who refers to himself as a real estate heavyweight, and he has a website. So, uh, you know, we're trying to figure that out, but we'll <laughs> we will um, we will have that soon, and we're going to be sending out an email every week that has some of the market update we talk about. But we're actually going to handpick uh, a couple investment properties on the MLS and say, hey, this would be a pretty good uh, flip. This would be a good uh, rental if you could get it for this price. And so we're going to, you know, you can kind of see a little bit of the underwriting process. So I'm ex- really excited about that. But in my research for that, I looked up uh, Redfin News. They, they do a good job of doing some reporting. And they actually said month over month, there's a 10% increase in demand uh, on housing. And, you know, the, the rates are floating around 6.7% for a 30-year fixed. And so we're definitely down from the highs. Now, interestingly, the job reports continue to be super, super strong. And so that does not really add to the narrative of like, all right, let's drop rates. I mean, they if job rates are, are, are job, uh, the reports are really, really good and everyone's feeling good about the economy, they they were wanting to slow it down for a while and how they were doing that was raising, you know, down the line, the rates. And so I don't know if it's just going to, the bottom's going to drop out, but it does seem like, especially election year, that everyone seems to think it will at least level out if, if maybe not drop a little bit, which is bringing new people into the market looking to buy. That being said, is on, on a local level, it does seem like there might be an issue with demand for a few of the, in my opinion, first-time homebuyers. And the, the first report was that apartment starts uh, were way up in the fourth quarter in DFW. It's it's one of the hottest building markets for apartments in the country. And for the first time in a while, starts and finishes and availability of apartments outpaced the actual leasing of them. So there's there's an overabundance of available apartments, which has led to a slight decrease in rents and people are starting to see more incentives. First month free, we'll help you move, that sort of thing. And so I always think, and tell me what you think about this, Tavis, is that 
when rents and your average mortgage, let's say your average price for the, uh, you know, the area is 440,000 or 400,000 and a 30 year fixed, you know, your mortgage there versus rents, there's a certain gap there that has to exist where it makes sense to rent. And if that starts to, the rents start to get closer and closer to your baseline, then it's like, Hey, you know, why don't we buy a house? Like we're just throwing our money away here. But if that gap is big Mm -hmm. enough and rents can be cheap enough, then a lot of people, it just makes sense. Like, look, well, this is rent. Like we'll wait. So I personally think it, it might impact at least in the short, maybe the first quarter here, the number of people that are just really excited about jumping into the market and they might wait to see if the rates are going to drop a little bit more. I don't know what you think about that. No, I agree. I, and I think, you know, if you if you follow the trends, I mean, you know, the last two years <clears throat> when rates were extremely low and inventory was, you know, a lot less and there was, you know, a frenzy of people trying to buy a house uh, at that time. And then people turned because they got frustrated in the competition and went and rented and so rents actually went up in value because the demand for renting was so much higher because they couldn't find a house to buy uh, now that the rules have reversed a little bit the market's calmed down a little bit and inventory's picked up and even though rates are higher it's now created you know the opportunity to buy a house um, and because rates are higher um you know, the price points of, of what rents are, you know, like you said, it's kind of a balancing act. So if somebody's got, you know, cash to do their down payment and, you know, they've got some equity or, or not necessarily equity, but they've got some cash on hand for the down payment, things like that, then then people are definitely going back into that now that, it, that opportunities are available in the traditional uh, market and the single family home market, people are, you know, taking a stab at it saying, yeah, I really want to buy a house. Let's go ahead and see what we can get. Um, yeah. And so I think that's changed. Uh, and, and, you know, we've been saying this the last couple of years because there's a tremendous amount of new developments of apartments mm-hmm. being built everywhere. Uh, yeah. McKinney, Allen are in top, the, one of the top areas that they are talking about in the article as well as downtown. I I think that downtown is still probably going to be heavy demand because people, you know, it's a convenience factor and what you're going to pay for a a home near downtown is going to be extremely outrageous compared to what you could pay rent for. So Mm -hmm. that's going to be interesting to kind of watch. Yeah, there's that gap there. Well, and God God bless the people that, you know, there's a lot of big companies, but I know there's some smaller groups and there's a few guys up at the office that are in syndications with apartments. And it's something that, you know, I was really interested in for a while, but the way the the interest rate environment has impacted apartment complexes, a lot of those loans were taken five years ago and on adjustable rates and they are becoming mature and it's just untenable for them. They cannot pencil those deals anymore. And a lot of them are having to go back to the banks. They're having to do these refinancing deals. And so the whole apartment Um, you know, industry, it's interesting to watch and to see how that's going to play out. But I'm sure it really does not help them that a lot of people were in the process of building. They went ahead and got their permits. They went ahead and finished out these builds. And now all these units are available and now rents are having to drop a little bit. So uh, it will be, it'll be kind of crazy to watch. Along with that is the report that the new build starts have exploded in North Texas. It's one of the hottest areas in the whole country, specifically Denton County, up in McKinney, uh, near Denton. There's a lot of huge master plan communities where last year there was 700, 550, 1100 units in one neighborhood being sold. And 
I also think that that's something that could impact the the ability if you have a, a just a traditional home, especially if you're in a you know kind of a lower price point new 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 buyer. You know, a lot of these builders have these incentive programs, and they've got a lot they can throw at people coming in the door. They can they can give them design center credit. They have in-house financing. They they have these timelines where you can say, well, give us ten grand now and five grand, and then we'll close it out. And it's it's really convenient. Plus, you have a place in the world. You know, you have a house. You don't have to go out and battle multiple offers and run all over town. And and it's brand new. And so there's just a lot of things that are really really attractive. And I ran into this problem. I had a, a, a client out in. Uh, east of Plano and it was a big master plan community they were trying to sell their house it was a divorce situation that they were under some stress to sell it but they had overbuilt the new builds in that neighborhood and they were sitting on all this inventory and we could not keep up every week they were trying to throw some new incentive and they were dropping prices like crazy and we just dropped and dropped and dropped and dropped because we had one lever we had just the pricing and they had all these other tools and man it was a real issue so you know, I, I don't know if you think about this, Tavis, but if you have a house that you know direct competition is new, but like if you're near a new build community or a master plan community or something like that, I would aggressively price early on because if you sit on the market, chances are it seems like in the first quarter, second quarter of uh, 2024, there's going to be a lot of inventory and they will use these tools and you will have a hard time competing with that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. Um, you know, and, and we've seen this, you know, we've seen this before. We've seen this years before, but um, they've been talking about this a while, you know, with the, the builders having to, to get on the ball and really build up some inventory because, you know, um, you know, you've got homeowners that like, for instance, uh, any of my rentals that are you know, low interest rates, you know, I've got several of them less than 4%. It would be silly to sell any of them, you know, because the, mm-hmm. the yeah. cost of money is so cheap. So, you know, I think that's what you're running into is you've got homeowners sitting on, you know, good equity, low interest rates. And that, you know, again, the million dollar question is if I sell, where do I go? And, yep. you know, they're going to increase, you know, the cost and so unless they have a tremendous amount of equity to kind of offset um you know the the price that obviously their buying power is much different than what it is now uh, yeah well and i mean and we've talked about before that in the united states we're we're about four million depending on who you talk to four million five million units overall short we're still undersupplied so they need to build new houses that's just the bottom line there needs to be new units and you know i know down in austin they're doing a lot of these affordable housing kind of a smaller tiny-ish homes to where they're trying to get people in where they're just building 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 trying to get people into houses that don't want to rent that want to have that equity position so it's it's something that has to happen but i know we got caught from a retail standpoint really needing to sell a house and it was just so freaking hard to to compete with those those new builders and i can kind of see that situation lining up right now where they're talking about they killed it in quarter four and there's a lot of supply coming onto the market and now you know it, maybe it'll all work out because the interest rates will drop another quarter or half point and a bunch of demand will come out. People will start shifting around and 
you know, it'll really create this frenzy. But if we if we kind of stay locked up and all this supply keeps coming on on the new side, it might be a little bit more difficult from the retail side. So it'll be interesting to see. So, well, all right. It's 2024. It's a new year. It's a new you. And uh, we were looking at trends in building and we looked, we found an article that had six trends that they, uh, that they estimated were going to be uh, popular in, in 2024. And so I, I wanted to read through this. I wanted to get your take on it. One of them I just think is so funny and kind of tone deaf, but so number one is that smart homes are here to stay. The pre-wiring of the, the video cameras and smart lights and energy efficient uh, thermostats and all that stuff. Super cool. I mean, I, We've done a little bit of that and, you know, on the light side, we actually haven't done it on the thermostat. It's probably something I need to do. So I don't know. Is that, is that something that you actually do when you're building? Is that something that you're working into any of your designs or is that a price point issue over a certain, over a certain ARV, you know, like, Hey, I, I've got to go ahead and build this into my price or how are you tackling that? Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, again, I want to kind of find that threshold that's like, what's my bottom line that I've got to make on this, on this flip. Um, Mm -hmm. and where's that, where's that buffer? You know, is it 10 grand? Is it 15 grand? Where's that buffer that I've got to allow it to, to be that bottom line return that I'm okay with if everything blows up. Yeah. Well, and I think to me, the smart, you know, if you're in a real high price point, you know, if you're around here, let's say you're a million plus, you know, you, you, you probably just need to go ahead and bake this stuff into it because it's just, yeah. it's so u- ubiquitous at this point to where it's like, if you had just standard flipper switches, every time you walked into a room, it would look cheap in a, in a lot of ways, but for $500,000 ARV, switchers. Yes, I don't know what it is. They, they don't call them rocker panels. Really. <laughs> you know, I, I just, I, I go to Home Depot, hey, where's the flipper switch? But so, no, but if, if you're on 400, 500,000, to me, this kind of goes along the lines of, it kind of puts it over the top. To me, it's like that LED light in the bathroom. It's not necessary, but when someone's walking in and maybe they're comparing you to a house down the street, it pushes a little bit of that over the top. And it's not terribly expensive to kind of give you just a little bit of a feel of luxury or high tech. And so I could see that where you're maybe not doing the whole house and you have this central hub and it's this crazy thing, but you do a few of the touches where it, it keeps up and it looks nice, um, but and gives that feel, but it doesn't absolutely break the bank. So that's probably how I would yeah. play it if I was in the four or $500. No, yeah. And, and I think, I think, you know, George, George hit the nail on the head when we interviewed him and so did Mark. Uh, I don't know how much Mark went into it, but uh, knowing Mark's, um, his style and his finish out, you know, um, and, and I've always kind of played along with this too. It's like, if you put a really good product out there and you do a few things that are a little extra or a little unique, you're going to be memorable. You know, somebody's going to remember that house, right? They're going to say, Oh, you know, we looked at five to 10 houses today. I mean, the max showings you should ever do with a client in one day is like five because after five, they just all blend together. So, you know, if you have, you know, five showings, which one's going to stand out? Oh, you remember that house that I I don't know where it was, but it was the one with the led mirrors in the bathroom, you know, Mm -hmm. because it was unique. Nothing else had it. Right. So it's memorable things like that, um, that I think are, are, are important and they don't really break the bank. It's just, 
it, it, it's knowing those steps, uh, like I, I'm doing that in this Wiley project right now. And I just had to do the sequence of getting the electrician over there before my drywall guys finish up on stress cracks and go, Hey man, while you're there, go ahead and drop those, you know, those, those lights, uh, mm-hmm. you know, down the wall so that I can put a led mm-hmm. mirror on it, you know? Um, yeah, and so it's just kind of thinking think through some of cool that stuff. Time. Yeah. I, I, I think it's, I, I think it's cool. And, and, and they've gotten a lot more popular to be able to find now, you know, I mean, uh, eight to 10 years ago, finding led mirrors was extremely difficult. I, I had to like get a custom guy to custom make them for me and you know and now you can go on amazon and you know find them anywhere you want that's where i found mine right right next to the rocker flipper switch thing all right so number number two this is the one okay there's a couple of them on here this one is i just kind of roll my eyes maybe i just don't even know but number two on this list of trends for 2024 is eco-friendly materials. You got to be freaking kidding me. I mean, if you're, if you're doing a budget, you're telling me that you're going you're gonna to try to come within budget, but you're definitely spending more money on eco-friendly materials. There was actually a, a high-end Home Depot concept down in Plano, and everything they had was real eco-friendly. And actually, I went in there, and it was just outrageously expensive. I was like, who in the world is here? And it's closed. But, you know, it's I if the idea of going out of your way to to put some sort of real eco something in there. Now, if it's there and it's like, okay, it's similar priced and okay, yeah, this is a good decision, or I like the look, but I can't, I don't know. I mean, I think this is a little uh, me personally off base. I just don't know that there's a lot of clients out there that are walking away from one house and going to another house because it's just you know, way more eco-friendly, but I may be wrong on that. Uh, yeah. I don't know how much I get on board with that, uh, concept. I mean, I think it's a trendy, it's a trendy word. Um, and I think, you know, that there's a lot of things that have been set up, uh, to be more eco-friendly, you know, like, you know, most of your plumbing fixtures today are going to be, low flow. What is it? I think I have like a 1.6 in my house, you know, but they don't make anything above like a one point, it might be a 1.2 or something, you know, gallon per flush. Yeah, they, they mandate some of that now. Stuff. Yeah. And stuff is going to the led lights and all that. Yeah. So a lot of that stuff has changed. Um, you know, I, you can get crazy and go, Oh, let's get into eco-friendly paint, you know, the California stuff paint, right? That's like, uh, low VOCs and you're going to spend a lot of money for that. And that's, it's going to limit, you know, the smells and the toxins that you smell in the air after you paint me personally, I love using normal latex paint to paint a house because (laughs) it smells like a new house (laughs) when you're done with it. Like, you know, and, and we still do oil-based enamel for the cabinets because I, I think latex paint for cabinets looks terrible. Um, even though some people have gotten on board, you know, and use the water-based stuff. And the worst part about that is, you know, you scratch it easily and it just peels right off, you know, mm-hmm. uh, especially if it's not prepped correctly. So, um, you know, yes, you, you have the smells that come along with it, but you know, to me, it changes the dynamic of a house that's 50 years old and you walk in and you smell paint, you know, it it smells like Mm -hmm. a new house, you know, it completely changes the, 
the uh, the smells that have been stagnant in the home for maybe the last yeah. 30 something years. So, well, let me tell you what's eco friendly, and this is number four. Okay, yeah. so this is eco friendly remodeling over building new, you know, and, and our interview coming up Tuesday, Jessica Starr, you have to tune in. It was a great interview. She helps people build new homes as a, a custom home and they're the GC. She walks them through that process. So we talked a lot about building new houses this morning. It was really cool. But if you want to really be eco-friendly, keep most of what's there and just kind of give it a refresh. You know, it's like, that's like the, the equivalent of, you know, shopping a thrift store, you know, you don't have to buy brand new everything. So just make, you know, make do with a lot of what you got and then go, you know, touch it up here and there. So number four is remodeling over building new. And I think that this is a trend. I, you know, this is, this is a, a no brainer, especially with the interest rate environment. You can go get a HELOC, pull money out of your house, go ahead and do some updates. I don't know. You might be able to hear uh, in the background, our floor, <laughs> our floors are being replaced in two of our bedrooms <laughs> right now. <laughs> so, uh, he's in there, uh, you know, we we're we're switching out some floors and that sort of thing. Uh, so yeah, I think that that is a, a for sure thing that's, it's going to keep going and, and doing the remodeling thing and using the equity in your house, staying put, uh, that's happened a lot over or COVID and people are upgrading. So I for sure think that that is a trend. Now, um, the other thing that I would guess you could go towards eco-friendly is uh, number three that on their list is efficient kitchens. And I, I kind of see this in your designs a little bit. And I don't know if you ever went this way, but it says gone are the days of the ginormous kitchen and kitchen islands and all that sort of thing. So I guess if there's certain spaces, houses that you know require it i remember going into it wasn't oh i bet it was last year i was showing people a house we went into a, a model home up in frisco that thing had two kitchen islands i mean side by side kitchen islands big ones too and i was like i just thought i don't even I, I don't get this i don't understand at what point in your life would you need double kitchen islands but maybe it you know it's enough of a thing where they designed it and they put it in there as an option but um, how do you think about that? I, I know you're a fan of kind of a little bit more segmentation, not 1970, you know, walls everywhere, but a little bit more privacy and segmentation than the wide open, the concept. You know, again, it depends on the house. I mean, on uh, the renovation piece of if I'm renovating it, you know, what's my plus and, you know, what's my pros and cons, right? Like if mm -hmm. I open up this wall, you know, is this room still going to have a, definite room to it right meaning you know uh I use mapleton as an example you know we were able to open that up but they still had uh definite spaces so the dining yep. room was defined the kitchen was defined the family room was defined it wasn't just this wide open open the door and you're in an apartment you know loft feel yep. with everything just wide open staring at you mm -hmm. um I think, you know, to me, it always goes to, you know, I mean, the, the efficient kitchen to me is functional, right? Mm -hmm. it, it's all about function. And, you know, a lot of times with those big giant islands, they could not necessarily be very functional. Um, you know, being over six foot myself and reaching across the table, you know, or across the island. I mean, if the table expands much more past, you know, five feet in depth. You can't reach the middle of that thing, you know, and most, you know, most of our wives are like five something, you know, Tabitha's yeah. like five feet. So she's not gonna be able to meet them, <laughs> reach the middle of that island. So I think it's yeah. important um, when I'm designing and just kind of looking at things is just does, does it make sense. One of the things that it noted in here was just 
focusing on the kitchen triangle, which is it should always be a thing um, to make sure that you can easily access the the sink, your cooking area, and your and your fridge. You know, those are kind of the main three components. Um, yep. And you know, one thing they're talking about here is pantry space or walk-in pantry space. And if you could do that, great. If not, then try to find some cabinetry, you know, and, and build the cabinetry into that concept to where it makes sense for storage, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I think it's just, again, I mean, if you're flipping the home, you do it within reason, you know, there, there's no sense in completely gutting it. Like, I mean, the house that I did, you know, that's a midterm rental, um, you know, we were trying to keep the old cabinets, but once they got destroyed, then it was like, oh, okay, we'll put new in. Let's go ahead and think through it. And we put some creative stuff in the kitchen that not only helps it for a resale, but it helped it for midterm living, right? Because we got the spice racks, we got the utensil drawer pull outs, you know, you got yeah, some thoughtful. fancy stuff in there Yeah, that, yeah, makes it very clean, very easy to work through. It was easy, easy for um you know a guest to stay there because everything has a place so that's one yeah. thing i'm big on when i'm designing a kitchen is like everything's got a place that can be repeated easily so you take mm -hmm. a dish out you use it you wash it and then it has a perfect place to go back to it's not like you're fighting yeah. for space and the cabinetry and everything's getting disorganized <laughs> Yeah, I need you to come over to my pantry because if there's one spot in my house that is not <laughs> not what you're talking about is that. I mean, it, it looks like <laughs> a small hurricane went off and we just decided just to go ahead and leave it as is. And we're just kind of picking stuff. So <laughs> Pantries are another story. You know, I, I, yeah. Tabitha is actually pretty good about going through the pantry like once a month and reorganizing it and it's usually yeah. on some kind of random day or right before a big meal or you know something that's not ever an opportune time but it drives yeah. her nuts enough to go in there and be like oh my gosh i gotta yeah you know organize this pantry <laughs> yeah yeah we have to pull it all out and you know you know throw stuff away and put it back in a lot so a couple more real quick and we'll we'll close up but Number five, uh, elevated living. They they talked about you know the kind of a, a rise in design with some balconies, which is kind of cool. Outdoor living space. The tone deaf portion of this one, and this is on the spruce.com. We'll put this. We'll link this article in our our uh, show notes. But they, they say that they do feel like the popularity of pickleball will will lead to many more families trying to put pickleball courts in their backyard. I'm like, who are you writing to? I mean. Yeah. How many family, real families out there have a big enough backyard and the disposable income to say, you know what, honey, let's go ahead and do a pickleball court. I mean, if I did pickleball, I, I would have to apologize to three neighbors over on a regular basis because we'd be hitting the ball over there. It's our backyard with there's no way that would even be possible. And I just but with a straight face, they put it in that article like, you know what, Jim, I really think that backyard pickleball will be something this year i was like did i read this right does this belong in this article because you know yeah. out of the thousands of homes that we're talking about being built uh here currently now and that have ramped up from last year to this year i guarantee you none of those homes that are being built have backyards to support pickleball <laughs> you know there's no way in a in a, a standard subdivision that they're thinking through pickleball in the backyards. It's just you're not walking into sense. a uh, 
D.R. Horton or Kehavnanian Design Center and and walking past the marble selection to look at the pickleball cord selection. So the last one is they do uh, predict that one-story homes are going to make a little bit more of a comeback, which I love around. You know, I wish I do love one-story homes. The problem around here is just... I think from a builder's perspective, it's, it's 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 a larger lot, you know, and a lot of these master plan communities, they're doing 50, 60 foot lots and they just have to build up. You know, they're doing large two yeah. stories. They're cramming them to where you have a 20 foot backyard and they're putting as much house as they could possibly fit onto a, you know, 0.2 acre lot. Yeah. And they, you're definitely not getting a pickleball. You're definitely not getting a no. pickleball backyard with a one story house on a you know, 60 foot wide lot. <laughs> no. Now, tetherball, if they want to bring tetherball back, you could throw a pole out there and we go to town like that. Hey, tetherball, that, that should come back because around here, those are the types of yards we got going is a really mean tetherball game. So uh, I haven't yeah. played tetherball in a while. That's a pretty fun game. But um, all right. So as we're as we're wrapping up, man, super excited about 2024. We've got a lot planned. Uh, Tavis has got some program, uh, some projects going. We're steady underwriting deals. We're trying to find something. I'm looking to pick up a flip. We were doing some goals. I would love to do three flips this year. I've set it a goal to do a, a hundred open houses, and I just did my first one. So I've, I'm putting it out to the world, and I'm posting about it that I'm going to do a hundred open houses this year. So I'm going to be super active with uh, real estate, looking at deals, underwriting deals, talking to people, just being out there. So I, I can't wait for um, y'all to come along on the ride as I'm continuing to learn and uh, as I'm helping people buy and sell in the market and as I'm doing flips and, and working on the financing, Tavis is just now getting into the private lending to where he's doing his first project with a private lender and expanding kind of what he's able to do. And so we've got a lot of dreams for this year. And uh, we also have a lot of really great people we're bringing on. I mentioned Jessica Starr. She's coming up Tuesday. We've got a few other people lined up. If you have not yet checked out some of those interviews, we're stacking them up to where it's, I'm already super proud of who we've talked to and what they've talked about. You know, we've got really good feedback, uh, super quality investors and people who are adding a lot of, a lot of great tidbits to people. Um, if you're, actively looking to invest. So go back and check out those interviews. I think you'd be super, super happy. But in the meantime, you can check me out on Instagram. I'm the Dallas Real Estate Guy, Facebook, Ashton Hines. If you want to look up Tavis, he's Travis with the out the R, Tavis Westbrook on Instagram. He's got Tavis Westbrook Designs. If you have any sort of project you need design work done on, he can help you with your plans. He can help you with that vision. They can draw everything up in CAD. They can they can help you get started on that. And then of course, help you do some uh, work on the back end if that's really what you wanted to do. And um, uh, you know, if you are a realtor and you're out there and you have a house that's not appropriate for the MLS, or you just want to get into the investment game, you need some help, send us that house. We can help you underwrite it. We can go walk it with you, figure out how you can make money. We can make money. And we can move on forward. So, Tavis, I'm so glad to have you back on Planta Firma. Not Planta Firma, Terra Firma. Uh, <laughs> Planta Firma. Yeah, back on Terra Firma, uh, you know, after exploring the, the British Virgin Islands. Uh, and I will, I will go to sleep thinking that you, you climbed up on top of a very large pole with a periscope because I just like that image. And I... I I really hope that you uh, you got to do that at least once while you're out there. So, um, but glad to have you back. If it does you any favors, I mean, I've definitely dreamt the last few nights of you know 
task that needed to happen on the boat, right? So uh, anything from dinghies to uh, <laughs> tying up lines to, you know, navigating the waters, you know, any of that's kind of been on my mind the last couple of nights as I'm sleeping and I'm like, I'm done with this thing. I'm, I'm back on ground now. So um, yeah, we got to get you anyways. back in the real estate world because you you going to sleep <laughs> dreaming about dinghies. That's not going to go over well for too long. So we got to get we got to get you back in the real estate world. So, well, man, so glad to have you back. We're going to have a lot of fun this year. Thank you guys for tuning in. Love you. Tell a friend. Share it. Send a send a link of this podcast to a friend. That's how we're getting a lot of our traction. Just people sharing it with people that they think would like it. And uh, leave us a review. That does us a ton of help on our algorithm and all that junk. Uh, and check us out on Instagram. We'll talk to you next time.